Welcome back to a special MSO episode of Fender Bender's Collision Cast. My name is Mariah King, and I'm the staff writer here at Fender Bender. For today's episode, I got to talk with DJ Mitchell, co-owner of Mitchco, about his goals for his shop and his staff in 2021. Let's dive in. So let's just kind of start with what are some of your goals that you are putting in place for the next year? Well, we want to kind of continue on the path that we're on now. We started slow, faced a lot of challenges with the pandemic and trying to open this year. But our stores are really starting to get busy. We're starting to get a really good crew. We just want to kind of continue on the same path and not go backwards. Um, so, you know, the main thing would be continue growing our sales, our profits, our uh, our customer service scores, and, and keep going in the right direction. Okay, so you guys have... You have four locations now? Yes, we have four locations. Merritt Island, Melbourne, Titusville, and Indian Harbor Beach. Gotcha. Okay, and are you planning to uh, open any other ones, or is 2020 kind of put a, uh, a damper on the plan? Uh, there's a few more we're looking at. Um, we're always uh, interested in looking at shops that make good sense that um, we think we could run properly. So if something good came along, we would definitely consider it. Gotcha. Very cool. So one of the things you mentioned that you want to improve on in 2021 is uh, customer service. Mm-hmm. How do you think um, you can improve based on, I mean, 2020 was an unprecedented year for all of us. Um, are there any changes that you guys made in 2020 that you plan on carrying over into 2021? Well, we had, um, we had the one store and we grew pretty quickly to the other three. They're all open now. Um, one remodel is done. We're in the middle of two more remodels. Um, so what we want to do is take the good stuff we're doing at the one store. Uh, well, we're doing good stuff at all the stores, but we want to take our processes that we're following properly at one store and replicate them across the rest of them. You know, trying to train everybody has been tough um, and getting everybody on the same page has been tough, especially when you're two and a half hours away and you should try to stay as far apart as possible at most times. <laughs> so. We want to take our processes that we're doing and, you know, replicate them. We're, we're working on some training now uh, kind of for each individual position and each individual job. Uh, we just rolled out our parts training last week. We trained the whole company on parts. I'll do a little follow-up on that this week. And then next week, we're going to move into the next position. Very cool. So how have you been conducting training? I guess, can you kind of walk me through the training when, yeah, like you said, you can't really get close to each other? Yeah. So last week we had a call. Um, we had four calls, um, about 45 minutes to an hour apiece. And we had you know, kind of one person from each store on and the next call had one from each store and then uh, did that four times. And um, we made some test repair orders in the system that, you know, everybody had to go through and, and you know, do after we were done with the call. And then um, there was a you know, screen share where people could watch. And then, uh, you know, of course, verbally training as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. So what other um, trainings do you kind of have on the docket? Oh, the next one's going to be the office manager position, um, kind of going through um, how the job should be done, what the expectations are, how to do the main things of the job, and then train the managers on it, the parts people on it, and the estimators on it as well. That way, everybody kind of understands what the other person should be doing and they have some sort of general idea on how to do the job in case somebody was out or somebody steps out for lunch or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. And so is that kind of done where each of your four locations, everybody goes through training at the same time 
But yeah, so we're doing one from each store at each time. So there'll be the manager from this shop and the office manager from that shop and the estimator from the other shop. Um, we just kind of, we tried to um, look through and kind of make sure that, you know, if the office manager was on the call, then the parts person was available so they could sit at the front desk or whatever. Um, that way we didn't lose any, um, lose anything. Gotcha. Yeah. That's quite a few uh, juggling, uh, juggling balls there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay, so what do you think of um, all the reports of the upcoming vaccine? Are you guys expecting to get back to your normal uh, customer volume? Um, I think we're going to get busier. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that are still staying home. There's a lot of people working from home that aren't driving as much. So I think once the vaccine is widely available and, um, you know, people start to take it, I think things will begin to go back to, you know, normal. Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of companies have realized many people can do their job from home and it's, you know, it, in a, in a way it's cheaper for a business cause you don't have to pay for the rent. The, they use their own power, their mm-hmm. own. Um, so I think a lot of jobs are going to stay virtual. Um, so I apologize. I think a lot of jobs, no it, it was my wife who knew that I was on a call at two. So <laughs> you just call and make sure I'm on the call, I guess. Hey, did you miss your call? <laughs> um, um, so I, I don't, I don't think it's going to go all the way back to normal. I think a lot of people will still work from home, but I think it's going to get a lot, a lot closer than it was. Gotcha. So did you guys experience like a decrease in your regular customer volume? So the store, the newer stores, the one we opened that wasn't a body shop before we never got, we were never busy to start with. So we always mm. got busier. The one store we bought in Melbourne that had been a body shop for a very long time, their volume was down, you know, two thirds when we bought it. And it's slowly starting to get, you know, busier, but it's not, you know, full volume like it was prior to us purchasing it. Same with that store is probably down two thirds to three quarters what it used to be. And you're attributing all of that to the pandemic? Um, a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of people, um, excuse me, are just, are not driving and staying home. And then you just don't get, don't get in wrecks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these were down before we bought it. So they didn't lose accounts from changing. They didn't, you know, lose business in the name change. It was like that before we, we got there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So it happened very quickly from March till whenever we bought it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So one thing I kind of wanted to ask you about switching gears a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of the rising popularity of electric vehicles? Um, I actually talked about that the other day with my dad, you know, I drive so much that I should probably have an electric vehicle because it would be, you know, use less fuel. Mm -hmm. And I think when people start to buy them, it's going to kind of normalize it for other people. Um, Because right now you may not know somebody that has an all electric vehicle, but once you start, once people start to buy them and they start to become more normal, I think you'll start to see a lot of people drive them. Um, you know, some countries have already planned to to get you know new gasoline vehicles off the road by you know whatever year. So I mean, you'll still have gas vehicles until those stop working, but uh, I think it's a move in the right direction for the environment. And um, you know, it's just really nothing that body shops haven't seen before, you know, hybrid vehicles come out, you got to learn how to fix those or, uh, you know, even, even like uh, going from solvent-based paint to water-based paint, it's just training and something the shops will have to get used to. 
Gotcha. So how does the repair procedure differ from an internal combustion vehicle to a battery electric vehicle? Well, we fix, <clears throat> excuse me, gas vehicles all the time. So, you know, guys just kind of get used to fixing them with these electric cars. You know, the very first thing has to be done is you have to figure out what you need to do. You have to scan the car. You have to pull up the repair procedures. You have to see what to do. Uh, if you're going to disconnect the battery, if you're going to unplug something. Um, so, you know, it's going to be, it's going to switch from, you know, bringing in your bay, disconnect the battery and start repairing it to bringing in your bay, do what the manufacturer tells you to do before you start fixing it. So it's just going to be a learning curve. Guys will just have to get used to, to looking before they start repairing, which you really should be doing anyways. Gotcha. Okay. So is that like a totally separate um, sort of training that would take place for the electric vehicle uh, repair procedures? Um, I, I think it could all kind of be one, uh, one training process because you should be looking at repair procedures and, and all that before you start repairing the vehicle anyways. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you make the process that would just be, you know, this is what you do. If it's a gas vehicle, maybe you do step 2A. And if it's an electric vehicle, maybe you step 2B. But I think a lot of the training would be the same on how to learn how to do it. Now, doing it could be different, but learning how to do it would probably be about the same. Gotcha. Okay. So the switch from repairing internal combustion vehicles to electric vehicles is, I guess, relatively minor. Whereas when it comes to, say, like, like ADAS calibrations, would that require kind of like a whole separate set of, uh, of education seminars? Yes, that would be a lot. Yeah. So the, I think the, the, just really knowing what you need to do on each car is kind of the big thing, kind of an umbrella over all of it. When you fix any, mm -hmm. you know, what you need to do. Um, so training on how to figure that out, I think is the same, but, but following through on it and doing each thing the way it's supposed to be done would be, you know, more specific, specialized training. That I don't think everybody in the shop would get that, just certain people. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Thank you for breaking that down for me. That's something that's been, yeah, we've been reporting on a lot here at Fender Bender and different things like that. So very interesting. Yeah. A lot, a lot of shops don't, I don't know if it's carelessness or ignorance, but a lot of shops don't care to know what you need to do before you fix the car. You know, you may not even know. A few minutes ago, we had a, an older Prius. It's got a, the cylinder in the door to put a key in it to unlock the door. And it didn't look like it had a smart key, but it does have a smart key where you can walk up and touch the handle and unlock it. If we wouldn't have scanned it, pulled up the procedures and figured out what we needed to do to fix the car, we would have never known that. And, you know, the door's coming apart. So that's something that could have been meant that that was no longer functioning. Wow. So everything's just getting yes. more complex. Yeah. So you don't, you don't know what you don't know. That's why you have to go look it up. Gotcha. Okay. So how do you kind of, how do you go about training your technicians to look up the OEM repair procedures every time? We normally have the office get it to them. Um, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm sure some, some shops have the technician go pull it up. Uh, the, the way we kind of view it are technicians, you know, make money and make the shop money when they're repairing vehicles. So we try to give them the information they need to repair the vehicle properly. Because if they 
stop and go look it up themselves, they're not earning any money for themselves or the shop. So if we take somebody who's already being paid, who is not fixing cars to get that information to them, we feel it's better. Gotcha. And then does that save on technicians time spent uh, like during cycle times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get to stay always fixing cars instead of spending time doing something somebody else could be doing. A lot of people can get on the computer and go figure out the procedure, print it out and give it to somebody, but not a lot of people can repair the vehicle. So we gotcha. try to get the person who can repair the vehicle repairing the vehicle. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So going back to uh, 2021, kind of what are you expecting? Are you a little bit hesitant about anything seeing as how the, uh, the first quarter of last year went? No, I don't think so. I'm more excited. I think, uh, I think a lot of people are going to feel better when 2020 is over as dumb as that sounds. Nothing's going to, we're going to go to sleep and wake up. Everything's going to still be the same. The pandemic's not going to be over and everything's not going to be normal again, but I think people just, it's the kind of the outlook people get on a new year. So I, I look forward to it. I'm excited. That's great. That's great. Are you and your employees doing anything to celebrate? No taking Friday off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess as I asked that, I did realize there is the pandemic still ongoing. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we're closed for the holiday and um, come back to work the Monday. It's nice. It's I remember before the year started, I saw stuff online like um, Halloween's on a Friday um, or Halloween's a Friday or Saturday. Christmas and New Year's is Friday. Uh, um, Cinco de Mayo was on Taco Tuesday and it was like all the holidays were like right where you would want them and then you couldn't do anything with any of them because of the, the coronavirus. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's supposed to be a great year and now we're all yeah. kind of scrambling. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, it sounds like things are going good. Have you had to uh, lay off any employees due to the pandemic? None. That's really lucky. How'd you manage that? We didn't overreact and uh, we kind of thought through what we were doing, what was going on. Uh, the very first thing we did was ask everybody, you know, is anybody not comfortable working? If somebody's not comfortable, then, you know, we would work out something with that person specifically, whether they wanted to stay home, whether they want to take a leave, uh, whether they wanted to try to work remotely if possible, um, whether they wanted maybe a different workspace to get themselves some more room. Um, but we, we kind of, we, we asked everybody what they wanted and then dealt with everybody specifically. Uh, we haven't let one person go because of the pandemic. Well, now we've let people go because of performance or something like that, but we haven't laid anyone off because of the pandemic. A lot that's of really a lot lucky. fired a bunch of people. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I've mm-hmm. heard, especially with, you know, the technician shortage that everybody is just kind of uh, on edge, which rightfully so. Yeah. Right. We- so but we didn't lay anyone off. That's really great. That's great to hear. Yeah. We actually called a lot of the shops in the area. I can talk to the managers like, hey, if you guys lay somebody off, you know, send them to us. Is that sort of camaraderie? Is that is that common among shops in the same area? Um, no, no, not really. Um, you know, we were doing it more to try to help the, help the people that got laid off. I mean, we obviously can't hire everyone, but... Um, you know, if a good person gets laid off and, um, you know, not everybody, not, you know, not everybody that got laid off was, could, could take off work. Some people have to get right back to work. So, you know, we thought if we reached out to the managers that, you know, kind of lets everybody in the area know what kind of people we are, what kind of shop we are. And, you know, I think it's done a lot for us when you see 
all the other shops in the area dropping people and we didn't do that. Yeah, definitely. That was uh, surprising to hear that you kept everybody, especially being a, a multi, multiple shop operator. I feel like that's, mm-hmm. that's very rare. So kudos to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had the turnover from opening up, um, you know, hire this person, maybe it's not the right person or whatever, but we didn't lay anybody off. We didn't cut anybody's hours. We didn't eliminate overtime. We just tried to do the right things. We tried to provide good customer service and we tried to fix cars quickly. And we tried to, you know, get people to uh, feel comfortable getting their cars repaired. We advertised, we um, started doing photo estimates and um, we just try, we try to do all the little stuff right. And, you know, it, it seemed to work out for us. That's great to hear. Were you, um, did you guys find yourselves hiring during the pandemic? Yeah, especially because the first shop was new. So we had to hire as we got busier. Um, and then we hired some of the people that were laid off from other shops. Um, probably five or six people from other shops. Wow. Did you find that there were more candidates due to the pandemic or did that make hiring more difficult? Um, we, there's, there's in a body shop, for some reason, there always seems to be the same 10 or 12 people that are always looking for work in an area and every shop knows who they are. So, you know, those people were are always around. Then we had the people that got laid off by other shops. But the one thing we thought was interesting, we also got the people that weren't laid off by other shops. Because if your four of your coworkers get fired out of nowhere, then, you know, it makes some people not feel like their job is safe. Other people were overworked because they let go of people. I truly believe some shops fired people only to help them, not because they they thought they were going to slow down, not because they did slow down. I truly think some shops fired people just to cut their overhead. Wow. And then you were there to kind of uh, give these people a second chance and maybe even benefit for, uh, for Mitchco? Yes. Great. That's great. How did the uh, hiring process differ? Did you have to do all of that virtually? Um, well, all of our new hire paperwork was always done um, on your computer or your cell phone. Um, we try to be paperless. We're not the best at it yet because some people still like to print everything and you got to kind of go back and break them back out of it. Mm-hmm. The new, the all the hire paperwork is electronic. You get it emailed to you. You do it straight um, into uh, the payroll app. Um, that was all the same. Um, the only thing that really changed for us, I think, was, you know, wearing masks in the interviews. Um, yeah, I think that's really it. Probably just wearing masks in interviews, trying to get used to that. Gotcha. So then was onboarding, was did that go over relatively smoothly, just masks and distancing during the mm-hmm. training processes for new hires? Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, glad to hear you guys are doing well, especially as the uh, the holiday season's coming up. Thank you. Great. Well, it's been lovely talking with you, and I'm sure I will be in touch soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thanks, DJ. Have a great week. You too. Thank you for listening to another MSO episode of Fender Benders Collision Cast. Once again, I'm Mariah King, and from everyone here at Fender Bender, happy holidays.